0: You are listening to Jonah, a sermon series about the biblical account of Jonah. For more information about Elevate Church, please visit us online at www.elevatechurch.ms. We're uh, wrapping up our series in the book of Jonah today. Everybody say boo. I know, man. I'm just as sad as you are, man. I've really enjoyed this study. Really enjoyed looking at this uh, book. I really have. And so as we, as we continue in this message, in this series, I want to talk to you about a message today titled, God is. God is. Is and as we start, I got to thinking. You know, I've been in ministry now for about seventeen years. Seventeen years, and uh, there have been some good times in ministry, and there have been some frustrating times in ministry. And I know that's just how life is. Like I'm sure if you're here today, you would admit that you've had some some tough times in life, right? And then you've also had some some bad times in life. There are good seasons and bad seasons, and I think that God allows those bad times and those bad seasons to happen in our life sometimes so that we don't think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. The Bible says that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. So we're designed physically in such a way that it's kind of hard for us to pat ourselves on the back, but it's also hard for us to kick ourselves in the butt. You know what I mean? But we still try to do both of those things. And uh, I remember when I was first starting out in ministry, when I was first starting out as preaching, I was a, a youth pastor at a, at a Baptist church. And occasionally uh, the pastor would let me preach on a Sunday night. And I remember after I preached my first sermon, and at that church, I had one of the members come up to me after the service was over and he shook my hand and he said, Robert, I just want you to know you're a model preacher. You're a model preacher. And so, you know, when I heard that being about 20 years old, I mean, that, you know, that kind of, kind of did something for me. You know what I mean? Kind of gave me a, a sense of pride. And so I would continue to preach. And after every sermon that I preached that, that guy, he'd walk up to me and he'd say, Robert, I just want you to know you're a, a model preacher, you're a model preacher. Well, uh, you know, then then I, then I met Amanda. And so Amanda would come and she would listen to me preach. And my wife, just so you know, she has uh, permission to be completely honest with me about my sermons. She tells me when they're good and she tells me when they're bad. And uh, she lets me know what I said wrong and what I said maybe right. Uh, but I remember Amanda, I met Amanda. And so uh, she came and she heard me Preach at that church, and so after I preached, I kind of went up to Amanda and I was like, "So, uh, so, what'd you think about that message? What'd you think about the message?" And so Amanda said, "Well, it, it was okay," and I was like, "It was okay." I mean, I kind of took, I kind of took that hard, you know what I mean? And so I was like, "Amanda, what do you mean it was okay? I don't think you know who you're talking to." You know, I said, "I said I, I am a model." preacher. I'm a model preacher. And she said, what are you talking about? I said, look, after every sermon I've ever preached here at this church, Mr. Ozine, he walks up to me and he says, Robert, you're a model preacher. And she says, well, do you even know what that means? And I was like, yeah, I know what that means. And she said, well, then, then what does it mean? And I was like, I ain't telling you you 're being mean to me you know what i 'm saying you you're being mean and so this is before you know this is before you had Google on your cell phones you know this was a time in, 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 in our history where you actually had to get a book and look things up. anybody remember those times you know and so and so when we got somewhere uh, we, we we finally looked that word up and i don 't remember what book it was that we looked that word up in, uh, but we opened up that book and we found the word model uh, the dictionary and right there beside that that word was was the definition it said "model, a cheap imitation of the real thing <laughs> and, and so i'll never I'll never forget that and so the truth is, we live in a world that is full of counterfeits and is full and is full of fakes. You can actually buy a fake Rolex, you can get fool's gold, you can get fake diamonds, you can get uh, fake sunglasses. Uh, how many of y'all have ever played that game Jenga? You know, Jenga, I love that game. It's like this block game and you pull these blocks out of this wooden structure and you try to stack the wood piece right back on top of it without it falling over and people are going, Jenga, Jenga. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Come on, come on, you love it? Well, I remember when man and I first got married, man, we were so poor we couldn't afford Jenga, you know what I mean? But we got the knockoff brand. It was called Jumbling Tower, you know what I'm saying? And so the blocks were all different size but it just didn't sound the same. you are saying jumbling tower, jumbling tower. Anyway, but we can, we can, even so there's a knockoff of everything out there. We live in a world again where, where people and things really do look good at playing the role of the real deal. And in the book of Jonah, after all that Jonah has gone through, after everything he's experienced, when we think about the fact that he has gone from being rebellious to surrendering to To God's will, when we think about how God was merciful to Jonah, when we think about how God didn't allow Jonah to to drown and, and how he actually sent a fish to swallow Jonah, and when we think about the fact that God didn't allow Jonah to stay in that fish forever, when we think about the fact that God had that fish vomit Jonah up on dry land, when we think about all that he's gone through, you'd think that the last Chapter in the book of Jonah that you and I would see someone who is the real deal. You'd think that this is someone who knows that God not only loves him, but that God loves. All people, You'd think that since Jonah had been transformed by the grace and mercy of God, that he was not just playing a role now, that he really was, again, the real deal. You'd think that since he was a recipient of God's grace and mercy, and since he had been given a second chance, you'd think that because of everything that had happened to him, that on the outside, that really on the inside, this was a changed Man, but what we find out in in chapter 4 of Jonah is that that's not the case. And it's crazy because I, I don't know what preacher out there wouldn't love to preach a message and 120,000 people get saved. I, I mean, that, that's something that we would call a home run. You know what I mean to preach and everybody in the building get right with God. I mean that's that's something that would be amazing. So Jonah preaches in the entire city of Nineveh. They get they get right with God. That that's amazing. But look at what happens in Jonah chapter 4 verse 1. Look at what the Bible says. It says but Jonah was greatly displeased and became furious. Do you see that? I mean people wicked people evil people people who have jacked up lives people who have messed up lives man they are seeking God they're trying to get things right and Jonah is greatly displeased he's he's not just mad he is furious, probably screaming, probably shouting, probably pulling out what little hair he has left after he spent all that time and that fish with all its acid and its body. So why in the world, man, why in the world is Jonah so mad? Why? Well, Jonah is mad because God has given mercy to people that Jonah didn't want to receive mercy. Jonah, Jonah is mad because God has done what God wanted to do. This man who seemed to be surrendered to God and to God's will, he, he gets upset because God, again, does something that he did not want him to do. He gets mad that God actually is God. And that blows my mind, again, because, because Jonah himself, He has been a recipient. He has been a recipient of God's grace and God's mercy. He was used by God to to perform this great miracle with this entire city coming to God and repenting. He's been a recipient of God's grace, and he has the nerve to get upset with God and he does something that if you're a parent, I'm sure you know what happens. He throws a a temper tantrum. Parents have you ever seen a, a child throw a temper tantrum? I mean, I mean it really it really happens. I remember being down at the cracker barrel one day, man, and we were we were there me and Amanda and we even had our kids and so so we're there and there was this child that I guess wanted a toy and the mom said mom said no and so The kid started stomping his feet and he started screaming, I want this toy. And the mom again said no. And so after she said no a second time, the kid fell out on the floor, "Ah!" was screaming. And the mom is just so calm as she can be. She's saying, get up. Get up! I'm gonna leave you there. Get up! Don't make me call, don't make me say it again. Get up! Get up! I looked over to Amanda, man. I said, Amanda, will you go over there and hit? I mean, I mean, punch? No, no, no. Will you go over there and kick that mom in the face for not disciplining her child? You know what I mean? And Amanda said, Well, I would, but I can't kick that high. You know what I'm saying? But in all seriousness, man, that kid, that kid was throwing a temper tantrum all because he didn't get his way, all because he didn't get what he wanted. And if you were watching that situation, you would look at that child and you would say, what in the world is that child's problem? But let me ask you this. Have you ever thrown a temper tantrum? Have you? Have you ever thrown a Holy Ghost temper tantrum? You know, where you get upset with God because he does some things that you don't appreciate have you ever have you ever been there? I think we all have, and as we continue to look in Jonah chapter four, we're going to see what the problem is. jonah Jonah's mad because God did some things that Jonah didn't want him to do, and so that brings me to the first thing that I want you to see today, and that is that God is God. If you want to write that down, you need to do it, you need to understand it. God is God. See in this passage. God has decided to be God on his own terms and not Jonah's terms. Jonah wanted God to get on board with his plans, with his plans. And and, and Jonah gets angry because God doesn't doesn't do that. But how many of us would admit, how many of us would admit that from time to time, you struggle with anger? You struggle with anger. I I know I do. If you're not raising your hand, you probably struggle with lying. uh, Because I think from time to time, we all struggle with that. I'm serious. If somebody came up and just punched you in the nose, you wouldn't be happy about that right you'd be mad you would get angry we we have anger issues. And so we get mad at people, we get mad at circumstances, we get mad at situations, we get frustrated, we get mad when we see people doing things that we don't think they should be doing. We get mad when we see people not doing things that we we should they, they sh- we think that they should be doing. And so again, we get frustrated, we get disappointed, we get angry. Well, the Hebrew word for angry for anger means to make hot, to make hot. Have have you ever it's like a temperature Rising. Have you ever seen some people when they get mad? You can visibly see it on their face. You know what I'm talking about. Like they will turn red. Again, their temperature will will rise. Anybody you ever you ever seen you ever seen somebody do that? Maybe your, your wife. You've seen your husband. His temperature just rises. Or if you're a man, you've seen your your woman do that. I told you a thousand times to leave the toilet seat down. Everybody, you know what I'm talking about. You just see it happen. You just see it. Happen Well, here, here, here's what's happening is that Jonah is acting like a child. He's acting like a child because he serves a God who Jonah thinks is great, grand, and wonderful as long as God is being great, grand, and wonderful the way that he would have him to be. Jonah, again, he has the nerve to get upset with God, but I'm telling you, we do the exact same thing. We do. We say we serve God, and we say God Not my will, but your will be done. But a lot of times when we get a picture of what God's will looks like, we get upset and we want to change our mind. We don't don't have a problem with God being God as as, as, as long as he does what we want him to do. But when things don't work out the way that we want them to, sometimes as Christians, we pout. And sometimes as Christians, we have what's known as a pity party. And so let me ask you this morning, are are you pouting? Are you pouting because God might not have done what you thought he should have done for you? Or are you upset because God was God in his own way? See, sometimes without even realizing it, what we do is we, we think, you know what, God, you have to do what I'm asking you to do because I have done certain things for you. How many of y'all like those, those little vending machines, those candy machines? You know, you put a quarter in and then you turn it and then here comes some candy or here comes a toy. Man, my kids, they, they love those, those machines. They'll pick out a machine that they like. This, is, this has what I want inside of it. And so they'll go up there and they'll turn that coin and then here it comes. You know, I remember when Brianna Grace was little. I had taken her to Walmart or somewhere. I really don't remember where it was. But as we're leaving, she sees one of those, those little uh, candy machines, those little toy machines. And so she puts a quarter in there, and she turns the knob in anticipation. She puts her hand up there waiting to get it, and then she opens up that big silver thing. And when she opens up that big silver thing, guess what? There was nothing in it. And so you know what she did? She's, she's trying to look up in the machine. trying to to figure out what's going on. She turns the knob again, and still nothing comes out. So she turns around, and she looks at me, and she says, this machine took my quarter. I want to say it was my quarter, girl. That wasn't yours. But I mean, she was upset. It took my quarter. Well, sometimes we do the exact same thing with God. God, you didn't do what you were supposed to do. God, I came to church for two weeks in a row. And you didn't work out my situation. God, I gave an offering last month. Why, why am I not a millionaire this month? God, God, I have been doing this and you have not done this for me. God, I turned the knob. You are supposed to give me what I have asked for. We think that God owes us something. We really do. We want God to pay us, but that's not how it should be because God is God, and God doesn't owe you anything. He doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe any of us anything. He can do what he wants, when he wants. He can do it how he wants. He can do whatever he wants, again, because he is God. And let me just be honest and tell you this. If you yield to God, if you surrender to God's will, if you do what it is that God is asking you to do, you need to understand that things aren't always going to work out the way that you want them to. They're not. Why? Why? Because Isaiah 55, 8, God says, for my faults are not your faults and your ways are not my ways. Our obedience to God should not be dependent upon him doing something for us. It shouldn't be. So uh, I wanted you to know this morning that God is God. The second thing that I want you to see this morning about God is that God is in I'm sorry, that God is good at being God. God is good at being God. About got ahead of myself. God is good at being God. See, I've been married for nearly 14 years, nearly 14 years, and uh, I've learned some things in marriage. Uh, I haven't learned a lot of things, but I have learned some things. You know what I mean? And so, one of the things that I have learned uh, through 14 years of marriage is that when your wife tries on an outfit and she asks you how she looks in that outfit, She's not really wanting your opinion. She's not. Uh, I remember before we, you know, when, when we hadn't been married long, I, she put on something. And she asked me what I thought about that outfit, and I said, man, it's really ugly. And uh, she said, let me tell you, that was not good. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, so when your wife asks you how she looks in something, she doesn't want your opinion. What she really wants is for you to confirm what she's already thinking. That's really what she that's really what she wants and so we're the same way though when it comes with God. We'll say God, your will be done. But what we really mean is, God, I just want you to stamp, you know, your your approval on my will. God, I've already put this thing together. I've already worked it out in my mind. I know how everything's going to going to get fixed and so if you could just throw your blessing on what I've already worked out, that sure would be Great, but the bottom line is we got to trust God. We have to trust God, whether You really believe it or not, God is good at being God. God is good at what he does. He's never had a moment where he thought, you know, I probably should have done things a little bit differently. I probably should have worked that out a little bit differently. He is good at his job. So when life gets tough, when situations come our way that we don't really like and when we get frustrated, we need to remember again that God is good at being God. And here's what the Bible says in Psalm one. 145, verse 17. The Bible says, The Lord is righteous in all his ways and gracious in all his acts. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, plans for your welfare, not for disaster, plans to give you a future and a hope. God is a loving God. He is a loving God, and we have to trust that he has our best interest in mind. He is gracious, and we can count on him. Jonah Jonah really gives us some insight into, into why he is feeling the way he's feeling in verse 2. Look at what the Bible says. Here's what it says. He prays, "'Please, Lord, isn't this what I said while I was still in my own country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place.'" I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to become angry, rich in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. Now, I want you to see this. Jonah, basically, he's talking to God. And he says, God, I know all this stuff about you. I know all this stuff about you. I knew when you were calling me to preach that you were giving the people of Nineveh an opportunity to repent. I I knew you were giving them an opportunity to change their way. I know all this stuff about you. I know you all too well, God. And what we see in verse 2 is that Jonah, what he's basically doing, is he's quoting things about God that God has already said about himself. Again, what is Jonah's occupation? He is a prophet. He is a prophet. Jonah knew the word of God. Jonah knows the law and he knew what God had already said about himself in Exodus chapter 34 verse 6. That verse says, Yahweh is a compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and rich in faithful love and truth. Jonah is basically quoting that. He's quoting what God has already said about himself, but Jonah leaves off one very important part about God. He leaves off the word truth. The one thing that did not help Jonah's story, the one thing that did not help what Jonah was feeling, he chooses to leave that off so that he can whine and complain. And what's crazy is that we do the same exact thing. We'll conveniently quote scripture sometimes that's just going along with what's happening in our life. We'll often pull one thing out of this verse and one thing out of that verse just to kind of collaborate with what's going on. But that is very, very, very dangerous. It's very dangerous. It's dangerous when we don't take the whole counsel of the word of God. And there is truth about God starting in Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through it to Revelation chapter 22, verse 21. We need the entire word of God, the whole counsel of God. We don't have the right to decide what's true about God in certain seasons of our life and what's true about him in other seasons of our life. We have to take God as he is. See, one of my favorite toys when I was growing up was the Mr. Potato Head. Anybody, you love Mr. Potato Head? Man, this a couple of weeks ago, we were cleaning up Sadie Kate's room, and we found her Mr. Potato Head collection. Man, I was so excited. I got that thing out to play, man. She's got several Mr. Potato Heads, but then also I have some Mr. Potato Heads. I've got one, I've got Darth Tater. Right here, uh, Darth Tater, how many Star Wars fans out there? You like the Star Wars? Well, what I liked about the Mr. Potato Heads, you know, is that you could play with them one way. And then if you said, you know what, I don't really like the way he looks today, so I'm going to change him. You know, Darth Vader, Darth Tater there, he's looking kind of scary. So I'm going to put this nose on him here. We'll give him a smiley face so he's not so scary. You know what I mean? I want to change him up. You know, you could you could change him to make him look exactly how you wanted to. But here's the deal. We, we try to do the same exact thing with God. We do. We really do. We'll think, you know what? I like the love of God and I like the mercy of God, but I don't like this part about God. So I'm going to take that off and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make him and mold him into something Else, again, we've got to accept God as he is. Jonah wanted to conveniently leave out parts of God, again, that didn't go along with what he was feeling and what didn't work in his life. And because of that, Jonah threw a temper tantrum. Again, let me ask you, are, are you throwing a temper tantrum? Are you? We, we do it usually for two reasons. The first reason why we throw a temper tantrum is because we didn't get what we deserve, what we think we deserve. And the second reason that we usually throw a temper tantrum is because somebody else got what we don't think they deserve, and so we get mad. See, again, God has taught me so much through marriage, but also through being a father, bringing grace, my 11-year-old. She, she's not so little anymore. She's not so little anymore. Um, but I remember when she was almost five. She was getting ready to turn five. She's getting ready to turn 11. now. Man, slow down. Anyway. Uh, but I remember when she was getting ready to turn five. And so I asked her, I said, Brianna, I want you to come up with a list of things that you might like to have for your birthday. And so she came up with this list of stuff. And you know what was on the list other than like toys? You know what she wanted? She wanted a cat. She wanted a horse. She wanted a unicorn and she wanted a monkey. Now, can you imagine what our home life would be like if we had all that living in our house? You know what I mean? She, you know, she, so I, I, I did, we, certainly she didn't, she didn't get all of that. See, no matter how much Brianna wants and no matter what she wants, no matter what your child wants as a parent, we have to decide if the things that they want are really good for them. Am I right? You know, a cat's not good for my child. Cats are evil, you know? A horse could kick her in the face. A monkey, man, we didn't go in. I remember one time she wanted a squirrel. You know what I mean? Just, it, it's just not having y'all like, oh, they're so pretty. No, they're not, man. They will kill you. You know what I'm saying? But you just they, they wouldn't have been wouldn't have been good as a father. Again, I have to decide what she can and cannot handle. I, it's it's crazy. We as parents, we we see the big picture, right? We, we see things that our kids don't necessarily see. We see things that they probably have not thought about. And so we have to make decisions not based off of what they want, but what's better for them. Am I right? And it's the same way, it's the same way with God. But see, what we've got to decide, see, Brianna, she's got to decide in her life if she's going to be happy with what she did receive or if she's going to be so focused on what she didn't receive that she misses the beauty of what she has been given, right? And so, and so we've, got to, we've got to do the same thing in our, in our own lives. See, sometimes we're so focused on what God has not given us that we miss the things that he, he has given us. And so I, I want you to know that even if God didn't do anything else for you or anything else for me. He's already given us so much more than we deserve. And we serve a God who is a good God. We serve a God who is good at being God. We serve a God who loves us. And we serve a God who has thought through some things that we really haven't thought through. He sees the big picture. As I look back over my life, I'm thankful that God didn't give me some of the things that I asked for. I am. Because had he given me some of those things that I asked for, I might not have met Amanda. I might not have had Brianna Grace. I might not have had Sadie Kate. I might, I might not have had a whole lot of things that, that I love in my life right now. So we need to thank God for some of our unanswered prayers, some of the things that he did not give us. And so when we do pray, though, you can say, God, here's what I want. Here's what I'm asking you to do. But if you don't do what I'm asking you to do, I'm trusting that you're going to do something better. I'm trusting that you're going to do something better. And again, God is good at being God. Look at verse 2 again. See if you can really see what Jonah's problem is. Here's what the Bible says. Please, Lord. Isn't this what I said while I was still in my country? That's why I fled toward Tarshish in the first place. I knew that you were a merciful and compassionate God, slow to become angry, rich in faithful love, and one who relents from sending disaster. Do you you see where Jonah's problem is? Jonah has a problem with I, 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 I. And what I want you to know is that I is always in the middle of sin. Your anger for God, my anger for God, it, it, it always stems from, from pride, from us being more concerned with ourselves. And when we think about what we want and where we, when we think about how things should work out, instead of God's glory actually being seen through us, that's where our anger comes from. Jonah is, is talking about what matters to him. And, and God has to teach Jonah something that he often has to teach us and, and that is that it's not about you. It's not about me. I mean we want it to be about us. We do. but it's not. It's not about us. look at verse, look at verse four it says, "The Lord asked Jonah, "Is it right for you to be angry?" He asked Jonah the same thing in verse nine. God, God says, "Do you really have a right?" to be angry. And that brings me to the last thing that I want you to to see today. God is God. God is good at being God. But the third thing is this, and that is God is in control. God is in control. He's always in control. God looks, I mean, Jonah looks at all that God has done for him and he turns his nose up to God. He turns his nose up to He gets angry. And God says again, do you really have a reason to be angry? angry, do you? See, if you and I were really to be honest, sometimes we get angry at God just like Jonah did and we turn our nose up to him. You say, I would never do that, but we do it all the time. See, really, if you turn your nose up at someone else, you know what you're doing? You're turning your nose up at God because who are, who are we made in the image of? We're made in the image of God. We really, we really are. And so sometimes, again, we turn our nose up to God because we think we know what's best We say, God, you need to listen to me. But you know how God is? God always has a way of kind of putting us in our place. He does. He he did it to Jonah. He did it to Job. He did it to a lot of people in the Bible. I want you to see what happens. Jonah, again, he's mad that God didn't do what he wanted him to do. And so look at verse 5. The Bible says this, Jonah left the city and sat down east of it. Jonah's like, I'm getting away from here. I'm going to take care of myself. I don't need you. I'm getting away from here. And watch what happens. He made himself a shelter there and sat in its shade to see what would happen in the city. Then the Lord appointed a plant and it grew up to provide shade over Jonah's head to ease his discomfort. Jonah was greatly pleased with the plant, not God. When the dawn came the next day, God appointed a worm that attacked the plant and it withered. As the sun was rising, God appointed a scorching east wind. The sun beat down so much on Jonah's head that he almost fainted and he wanted to die. Do you know what? You know what God is doing right there? God is showing Jonah, I'm in control. I'm in control. It's not you. I'm in control. And so again, when we're upset and when we're frustrated, when things aren't working out the way that we really want them to do, we need to take some comfort in the fact that God is God. God is good at being God and God is in control. And so look at verse nine. The Bible says this, then God asked Jonah, is it, is it right for you to be angry? Is it right for you to be angry about this plant? Yes, he replied, it is right. I'm, I'm angry enough to die. So the Lord said, you cared about the plant, which you did not labor over and did not grow. It appeared in a night and perished in a night. Should I not care more about the great city of Nineveh, which has more than 120,000 people who cannot distinguish between their right and their left, as well as many animals? See, I'd like to tell you, that the book of Jonah ends with everybody living happily ever after. I'd like to tell you that. I'd like to tell you that the story has a great ending. I mean, the story has a a great beginning. There's a lot of excitement. There's a lot of excitement, but, but there's really no closure at the end. No Hollywood studio would really pick this up for a movie because you would go and watch the movie, and basically the movie would just end. You wouldn't know what happens. You wouldn't know if Jonah chose to be obedient to God. You wouldn't, you wouldn't know if Jonah chose to continue to rebel. You wouldn't know what happened. See, 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 I hate those cliffhangers that they give you in movies. You know what I mean? When you're watching a certain television show and it's getting good, something's about to happen, and then it's like, tune in next week. Y'all know what I'm talking about? Man, if you watch The Walking Dead, man, this past season, the season finale, I was like, ah, what happened? what happened? I hate that. I hate that. I hate that. Well, the book of Jonah ends and you just don't know what happened. But here's what I want you to see. Is that how Jonah responds or how he responded? That's not the issue of the book. The issue is how are we going to respond? Because remember, we're Jonah. We're just like Jonah. We're the people who often hear from God clearly. But instead of doing what it is that God would have us to do, we run in the opposite direction. We're the ones who often trade God's will for our will. And yet God continues to be gracious and merciful and draw us to himself. We are the ones who get upset about the things that God does We're the ones who would rather, who, who really would rather see the things that we want to happen than the things that God wants to happen to happen. We're the ones that often look like we're doing things right on the outside. But deep on the inside, we're fake. We're counterfeit. We're just playing a part. And what we see happening in the book of Jonah is that the ending is left up to you. And it's left up to me. If this story here, if the ending of this story was to be your life and my life, how would the story read? Would it read that we've learned our lesson? Would it read that we've learned that God loves all people? Would it be that we understand that God is God? That God is good at being God, and that God is in control? Or would it just end with us being rebellious? Again, I've gotten used to the ending of the book of Jonah because we're the ending. And so with every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't know where you're at in your spiritual walk, but I wonder, I wonder if maybe there's somebody here today and you think that you've been serving God. You've really looked good on the outside. And you've been in church for a long time. But the truth of the matter is, God has not been God in your life. And today you want to repent. Today, you want to give him your heart. Today, you want to give him your life. Today, you want to be saved. If that's you, I want to give you an opportunity to do that. And so right where you are, I'm just going to ask that you lift your hand so I can pray for you. Amen. Amen. If you raise your hand, I'm going to ask right where you are that you pray this. Father, today, I repent of all my sins. And Father, I ask that you would come into my heart. That you would take all of me. Lord, that you would help me to realize that you truly are a loving Father. Help me to see you as you really are. Today I accept Christ and what he's done on Calvary's cross. Father, fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can be who it is that you want me to be. When I leave this place, may I find comfort in knowing, again, that you're God. You're good at being God and that you're in control. And so no matter what comes my way, Father, if you are for me, nothing can be against me. Father, I also want to pray for each person in this room that you would help us, Father, just to see you for who you really are. Lord, that you would help us to love you the way that you deserve, to serve you the way that you deserve. Father, I pray, God, that people would know that we are followers of you by the love we have for one another. Bless us, I pray, in Christ's name. We'd like to thank you for listening and encourage you to visit our website at www.elevatechurch.ms so you can learn more about being blessed and blessing others at Elevate Church.